0: Hi, my name is darren joseph from Tax, and today i want to talk about ftx the caribbean offshore sector and the threat of dubai uh for those who don't know Tax, we are a team of cross-border tax professionals that seek to demystify the sometimes confusing world of offshore banking uh cross-border taxation and international compliance in general. Have a look at our website, hgj.tax. We have over 2000 articles that are completely free of charge that take a, you know, a dive into some of the key concepts and principles that you need to keep in mind as you navigate, as well as our YouTube and podcast channels. We have over a thousand videos that, that do the same as well. We have interesting interviews with whom we consider to be thought leaders in the space. So again, hgj.tax. My name is Darren. So yeah, you know, it's been a busy time it's been a busy last few months and I'm recording this in January 2023 so just at the start of what what we hope to be uh a more stable year than 2022 but it's been particularly tough on the Caribbean why do I say that we have FTX which was a huge news story in Q3 Q4 last year And understand that it's not the first time that this negativity and, and of course, FTX being based in the Bahamas, uh, you know, there's a lot of negativity in terms of the press coverage of the Bahamas in particular and the Caribbean by extension. And unfortunately, it's not the first time. I mean, we had the Panama Papers back in April 2016, Pandora in October 2021, I think it was, Paradise november 2017 paradise Papers. so all these offshore leaks again you know to, to be fair a lot of what was disclosed wasn't technically illegal and as far as i'm aware and as far as anybody aware is aware of course everything is still under investigation but there's no suggestion of wrongdoing on the part of the bahamas or any other caribbean jurisdiction yet the way it's the the entire thing is being portrayed in the media, there is a bit of a negative tinge towards that. And and you know, it's it's unhelpful. It definitely isn't unhelpful in a space that is at a huge reputational risk. It it's it it's it is deep. It is a, a malaise that, that is quite deep. Unfortunately you have uh and again there's no hint of illegality or any sort of you know, as far as we are aware, there, there's nothing illegal on the part of any jurisdiction. but unfortunately, you have promoters in the space and and they're definitely in the minority. I would I, mean, I, I don't have any statistically valid data, but I would imagine that they that they aren't in the minority, the vast majority of promoters, uh, professionals, fiduciaries in the space uh above board, completely compliant, trying to do the right thing. But unfortunately, you have this minority of promoters who, they can't even, I I listened to some of the videos and and podcasts, they don't even, they could not find certain Caribbean jurisdictions on a map. They can't even pronounce the islands, uh, the names of the islands correctly. It's St. Lucia, not St. Lucia. It's Dominica, it's Grenada, not granada you know, stuff like that. So they they don't even, they're completely unfamiliar with the, the jurisdictions. And unfortunately, they may misrepresent what is the right thing to do. You know, I don't want to cast aspersions on anyone, but sometimes perhaps through no fault of their own, they're perhaps not properly trained or qualified, but, you know, things happen. So where are we right now? banking has become increasingly difficult as a result of the reputational risk and the consequent de-risking so you you had a situation in the past couple of decades particularly where the in the english-speaking caribbean in particular which which is where i'm really focusing of course the caribbean is quite diverse you have the dutch speaking you have uh spanish speaking caribbean and you have the english-speaking caribbean so the english-speaking caribbean as to some extent and in some ways become synonymous with the offshore sector and we've had a, a situation where most of the banks were canadian owned and controlled and they're pulling out you know we've had uh bns back in nova, nova scotia sometimes known as scotia bank we've had cibc canadian Imperial bank of commerce or bank of commerce depending on which island you're looking at and royal bank otherwise known as royal bank of canada And they have effectively pulled out of a number of jurisdictions because the compliance burden and the cost and the the risk of doing business has just become progressively more difficult. And as you know, in the offshore sector, you know, it's kind of like, it's a pairing. Uh, I I don't want to draw any metaphors with with food to to make light of the situation, but that's what it is. You need, when when you're creating structures, a lot of the times you need to be considering this is where the entity is going to be. But I also need banking to pair with it. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to bank in jurisdictions where there's no substance, where there's no entity, there's no incorporation or whatever. And the fact that domestically, uh, with, within the Caribbean, certain Caribbean islands, not all of them banks are pulling out has been become unhelpful in, in that it renders the structure potentially unworkable, depending on what you're trying to do with it. And then, of course, you have the the blacklist. There's a blacklist and a from, uh, from the grey list from 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 the EU, from the Euro- European Council. That one in particular. There are a number of lists, but I'm talking about the one from the European Council. And still, we have the. And this is pre-COVID, not pre-COVID, pre-FTX. Well, actually, probably. Mm, it kind of overlaps but anyway the Bahamas confirmed this is last October as of last October the list printed last October the Bahamas is on it the U.S Virgin Islands Trinidad Tobago uh Turks and Caicos uh Panama yeah so it, it just again it, it doesn't necessarily imply that the authorities there are doing the wrong thing it, that, that's, to me, that's, that's not what it's about. But to the lay person, it does. It does create a negative connotation. And of course, there are consequences to being on the blacklist in terms of working with entities in certain jurisdictions, particularly in Europe. So the whole situation is, has become to some extent alarming, you know, without meaning to, to, to cry wolf unnecessary unnecessarily we have a situation where the the offshore sector is evolving and you know some people say uh, onshore is the new offshore but the, the the point is that things like substance economic substance are becoming the the rule rather than the exception the idea of setting up shell companies like in some spy movie, those those are quickly being outdated. That's an outdated way of thinking. And if it is that shell companies are no love a thing and you're setting up companies in jurisdictions where you have boots on the ground, where you have some sort of meaningful connection in, in principle, that that whole shift in the industry is putting in the Caribbean at a further disadvantage because at the end of the day, these are tiny islands. So all things being equal to talent pool is not that deep so the skill sets and uh, so on there they don't sit there they sit in other jurisdictions so w- what does that mean what are the implications of all this enter jurisdictions like dubai dubai as i've spoken about in many other videos has become increasingly competitive uh and most importantly they've made they made a decide they made decisive steps to get off and hopefully stay off the blacklist you know and and part and parcel of that would be the imposition of economic substance rules that 9% corporate tax and uh further taxes to come but the, the point is that they be coming in line with international norms and it's relatively big compared to the caribbean so the talent pool and and the talent deficit isn't what it would be on a, on a, t- a tiny island there's a lot of land, there's, you know, so much desert to be reclaimed and, and so on. So I think to some extent, those in the offshore sector in the Caribbean, they face, and, and, you know, it's not rocket science. It's a threat depending on what you're into. It could be an existential threat. And the Caribbean still can work for certain asset protection structures, uh, certain trust foundations or whatever, but, or holding company structures, depending on what you're trying to do. So it's not all doom and gloom but in certain spaces it it is quite alarming and cause for concern so what does that mean for clients it may mean that us as advisors they you know you'd be looking at other jurisdictions you're looking at you know those were the opposite with a really strong reputation and regulatory framework like your Singapore's being one of the best in class and and up and coming ones like like Dubai Dubai isn't quite there yet because it does struggle in some of the spaces like like banking and and there may be may or may not be certain great listings or, or whatever but it's definitely trending in the right direction so something to think about as we try to navigate the sometimes complex world of international tax. My name is Darren Joseph from HTJ.tax. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at HTJ.tax and live that international life.